All right, good morning, guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, and as we get started this morning, you know, that last song that really is, just to remind us, uh, that really is why we are here this morning, um, is because of how great God is. That is what brings us together. Uh, it isn't the obligation to be here. It isn't, uh, you know, feeling better about ourselves, although sometimes those things do creep in, Right? And, and we tend to think that that is why we are here. Uh, but the truth is that we are here this morning because of how great God is. And so with that, we're going to continue this morning in, in our series in 1 John. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be uh, in the first six verses of chapter 4 this morning. Um, and if you remember last week, we talked about um, the difference. The, the sermon title was uh, that you may know the difference uh, between love and hate, and that which is of love and that which is of hate. Um, and then this morning, now John, John in his letter here to this struggling church, um, reminds them now, or, or he continues, I should say, and transitions into kind of a, the way that we framed it last week with these two foundations for life, which is love or hate. And then this morning, uh, we're going to see that he transitions um, into really two different types of spirits. Uh, which is a scary thought for us. Um, it, 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 it's scary. It can be scary. Uh, it provides a lot of unknown. But John writes to them uh, so that they would know the Spirit of God. John wants the church to know. And what we need to understand is the same thing this morning, is we need to know the Spirit of God. Um, and, and remember... I've shared with you in the past, and, and, and many of you have probably heard it before, but that um, the way that you get to know the difference between what is real and what is fake isn't by studying what is fake, because there can be many div- different variations of what is false, what is fake, what is not true. But you learn it by studying what is true. And that's what John focuses here on in these verses this morning. So uh, let, let me read the first six verses with you this morning. We'll pray. Uh, and then we'll walk through them in our time together this morning. So verse, uh, chat, verse 1, chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have already overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God, this morning I pray that as we look at your spirit, specifically as uh, we are taught about him in this, these verses, I pray, Lord, that it would become clear to those in this room, God, uh, that it would become clear to them, God, that they know the spirit of God. And God, if there are those that are with us this morning that do not know the spirit of God, Lord, I pray that that would become clear to them as well. And God, that they would come to know the Spirit of God. 
and that you would overcome disbelief and resistance. And God, that we would together rejoice in salvation. Um, God, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you for Thanksgiving. We thank you, God, that you are a God that deserves our thanks every day of the year and not just one day out of the year. May our hearts and our lives, God, um, be lived in gratitude towards you. And we pray this in your great name. Amen. Amen. So isn't it a scary thought? I I spent a lot of time this week thinking about it. Isn't it a scary thought that there are spirits out there that are opposed to the Spirit of God? And I'm not, listen, I'm not talking Ghostbusters, right? I'm not talking Scooby-Doo. What I'm talking is that there are those people out there uh, that want to lead us astray from God. And, and those people are driven directly by Satan himself, the influence of Satan. And as we've already covered in this book, in the book of 1 John, what's so scary about that is that it's not always so easy to see. Right? We talked about wolves and wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, it's pretty easy to see that the teachings of Islam are different than the teachings of Christianity. Where it's not so easy to see is sometimes the teaching of the prosperity gospel versus true gospel. Right? Or the, or, or the, or the teachings of po- uh, poverty gospel, which is the opposite of the prosperity gospel that says in order to be loved by God, you must forsake everything that is good. Right? And, and you kind of, it's like this self-torture, this self-abandonment that that's the only thing that is pleasing to God. And then there's teachings in between that talk about how, uh, you know, all you got to do is just try harder. All you have to do is keep trying. It'll come. And it's scary that those teachings out there are so closely resembled Christianity and I think what's probably more scary is how many Christians out there don't know the difference between what is, what is the Spirit of God and what is not. There, there, there are Christians out there who, when you come to them in dire need of the gospel, they're just going to tell you to try harder. Or they're going to tell you it's not your fault. It's the other person's fault. Right? Like, anybody in here ever... You've gotten, you've gotten advice like that in times like that, Right? And didn't it just leave you just as empty, if not more empty, as before you went for the advice? Because it didn't help. And what happens is at times, the reality is is there are times where it it helps temporarily. You'll walk away feeling good until you're hit with the, 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 the heaviness of the situation again, right? And then you're left even more empty. Because then what happens when you start blaming other people is then bitterness sets in. So now not only are you battling the own unbelief of your heart in that situation and your need for the gospel, but now you're also adding bitterness to it. And you're, causing other, or you're blaming other people for the lot in life. And that's scary. Now put yourselves again, as, as we've done this often, I've tried to do this uh, each week in this series, but put yourself now in the, in the, in the seats. You guys are here at Crosspoint, but, but let's, let's put ourselves in the seats of the original audience of this letter. The Apostle John wrote this letter. It's being read similar to a gathering like this, right? There's probably singing, but it's being read. And remember what these people are facing, what they're going through. They're going through a church split. That's not uncommon these days. Not a church plant, not, not, not blessing and sending out for further mission, but a split, a divide. 
And the divide is solely on the teachings of Scripture. It's solely on the means of salvation, actually. And so what John is reassuring them is that, listen, there are teachings that are from God and they're being driven. The people who bring them to you, the the elders of the church and the leaders in the church and even brothers and sisters as members of the church are supposed to be bringing the message as well. It's like these are being driven solely by the Spirit of God. But the reality is if that is true, then the opposite has to be true as well. And he says this, and look in verse 1 where he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So God delivers his message through his people, just as the world delivers its message through its people. And let's not just think of this Put our, let's try and really get into the heart of what was, these people were struggling with is, remember, they probably lost close friends in this church split. They probably lost family members, very likely. They lost people who they thought were there for them and who they had sacrificially been there for as well. Like this is a really emotional struggle. It's a struggle so deep, we've all been there, that it causes us to begin to question what it is that we are doing and whether or not we are wrong or right. Maybe they're right. Maybe we're being too mean. Maybe we're being too harsh. Maybe the gospel really isn't that, um, that demanding. And so John is assuring them that the people who have left, and he tells them in chapter 2, remember he goes, that they went out from us. Why? Because they were not of us. Because had they have been of us, they would have remained with us. So John is making, listen, John is making a very clear line in the sand. We're not talking about the difference between Baptists and Pentecostals, right? Or, or Presbyterians. We're not talking about people who believe in Christ as salvation. We're talking about there is you're in or you're out, you confess Christ as Lord or you don't. Now, sadly, these days we know that people from each one of those types of church and denominations are going to be in the out group because they cling to their denomination more than they cling to Christ. But that also includes every other religion and worldview that is out. And so John is telling them that these people who went out from them, rest assured, you're okay. They're false prophets. And they're being driven not by the Spirit of God, although they were probably claiming the Spirit of God. Turn on your TV and watch some of the Christian channels and see some of the things that people claim in the name of God. It's crazy. So he's telling them that not everything is from the Spirit of God. But he writes to them, and listen, in verse 1, he tells them to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, as a good leader, he doesn't leave them to their own devices to figure out how to test what is from God and what is not from God. And sometimes we wish that were the case, that we could decide what is and what isn't, because it's a lot easier. But if we were all able to decide what is from God and what is not from God, then we would not all agree on anything. But John gives them a standard to test. Now listen, this morning's message, as we talk about God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, this morning's message is not an all-inclusive look at the Spirit of God, 
right? This is not a look at the fruit of God, the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, excuse me. This is not a look at the gifts that come through the, the, the Spirit. This is not a look at any of that. What we want to do is we want to look at this text specifically and see what it is that John was encouraging that church with about the Spirit of God. So that's what we're going to look at. And so he writes the standard that he gives them is so that they would know the Spirit of God. And so the first thing that we see in here very clearly, and it's, it's that which the other things that we're going to see are based off of, they flow from this first thing, is that they would know the Spirit of God by confessing. He tells them in verse 2, he says, By this you know the Spirit of God. That's pretty, pretty plain, Right? We don't have to decipher what he's getting at here. He says, but by this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And it continues into verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So we know the Spirit of God by confessing. W.A. Criswell wrote this. He said, Without the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is no conviction, there is no regeneration, there is no sanctification, no cleansing, no acceptable works. Nothing. None of that is possible outside the Spirit of God. Now, there's two angles that we need to, for a moment, stop and look at this by. And the first is, is the the actual Spirit. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? And you've heard me often tell you that that the Spirit's number one priority, the Spirit's aim or its goal is to point people to Christ. So the Spirit of God Himself confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. Not because the Spirit of God needs to be saved and repent of His sins and confess Jesus as Lord for salvation. Okay? But the Spirit of God confesses Jesus as Lord for salvation of men. See, okay, that's not, we can get off into some really crazy teaching when we talk about the Spirit of God needing to be saved and repent. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is that the Spirit of God confesses that Jesus is God's means by which men shall be saved. The Spirit of God will always in every situation, in every circumstance, in every struggle, in every fear, in every victory, will always point to Jesus Christ. And that's what this quote was getting at. In, 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 in the midst of even, listen, he even says there is no acceptable work. There is no work that God will accept from us outside of work that is done in the work of the Holy Spirit. Even the good stuff. The Holy Spirit is pointing to Christ. We sing that song that even in the victories, Jesus is better. Right? And so what is it then that... that, that now the other side of that is... So the first side was what the Holy Spirit confesses about Christ. But then the other side is, is because he, he very clearly in verse 1 when he starts talking about false prophets, he's talking about people who are proclaiming truth. Right? So it's, so it's what we would call false prophets and then also what we would call in our church, preachers, elders, whatever, right? Like that's what he's, he's comparing the two. And so then on our end, it is this, just like the Holy Spirit, is that if we are walking in the Spirit, then it's going to be a life that points to the work of Christ for the salvation of men, knowing that we are 
a man who needs to be saved. See, unlike the Holy Spirit, obviously, we are not deity, we are not God, and we are in need of saving. But yet it is the same thing that we are to point to for our salvation, and we are to point one another to for salvation. And that's what he says here, remember? And and he says, um, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. He's talking about the works of Christ to save. He's talking that Jesus actually came. Jesus actually lived a sinless life. And that it was actually necessary. Because remember, the false teaching that people were being led away to believe was that you don't need the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, but you just need to look deep inside yourself. The goodness is there. Just uncover it. Keep digging. Keep thinking good thoughts about yourself. But John is saying no. That spirit, any spirit that points you to anything, even if it's something that is good, any spirit that points you to anything or that confesses anything other than Christ for salvation is not the Spirit of God. Is there anything God can't do? Yes, God cannot. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit cannot point to anything other than Christ for salvation. He can't do it because it's outside of God's holy will. So any spirit, any teaching that is, that, is, that is opposed to this is from Satan. You see, and when we read in the New Testament that even the spirits recognized Jesus. Remember when Jesus came upon the, 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 the guy that had a lot of demons in him and he sent him out into the pigs. They, they, they acknowledge Christ as Lord. And this is where we have to be careful because this is where false teachers get to be really good. They acknowledge parts of Christ. They acknowledge things about Jesus that are true. But they don't confess him as their Savior. They don't confess Christ as the... This is what he's... When he talks about... um, John is not just talking about when he says that Jesus came in the flesh. He's not just talking about the incarnation, although he is talking about that. But what he's really getting at at the heart of it is he's getting at that, that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus is the one that God sent to save God's people. And so we will know the Spirit of God in one another by confessing. Now listen, this is where this is the hardest for us to understand and believe. This is true even in the face of our sin. In fact, there is no time that we should louder hear the Spirit point to Christ than in the midst of our sin. Not just when we initially are saved and our sins are forgiven, but in the time after first believing and walking and falling. Our tendency is not to run to Jesus again, is it? Our tendency is to hide. Our tendency is to cover it up. Our tendency is to justify it. But in that moment, you are believing a spirit that is not the spirit of God. And if you act out on that, then you are acting out in a spirit that is not the spirit of God. Because even in the midst of our sin, the spirit of God will point us again to the work of Christ. And the spirit of Christ says, look at the work. The spirit of God says, look at the work of Christ. Your sin has been forgiven. It's gone. It's already before you even did it. God in his grace through the work of his son has already covered it. 
So don't wallow in the shame of your sin, but rejoice in the forgiveness of God. That's how Christ is glorified even when we sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we go on and sin all the more because, because the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God also confesses the power to say no when we're being tempted. The only way that we confess that Jesus is Lord while we're being tempted is to say no to sin. And it's only because of the Spirit that we're able to do that. But the second way that John tells them that they will know the Spirit of God is by overcoming. Look at verse 4 with me. He says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Here's what's amazing to me. Um, How many of you have heard that portion of the verse, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world? How many of you have ever heard it in the context of which John wrote it? Huh? Yeah. Isn't that always just like in, like, I'm going to, through the power of God, I'm going to overcome whatever it is that's in front of me? Right? I remember hearing it all the time in high school sports. Right? You can do all things. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's like that's the, that's the battle cry of when Christian high schools play secular high schools in football. <laughs> right? It's like we have to win because God is in us. But that's not, what the, that's not what it's written to tell us. That's not how we are to use that verse. This is purely in the context of overcoming false teaching. This is what he's talking about. You've overcome them. Who have they overcome? They've overcome the false prophets. They've overcome Satan, who is leading and and inspiring and pushing on the false prophets. And how did they overcome them? By the Spirit of God. Verse 4 says, little children. First of all, how do you become a child of God? The Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ to you, and you're adopted into the family. And then he says, you are from God. How can anybody in this world be from God? By the Holy Spirit bringing them into the family. And ourselves, we're not from God. Right? The Holy Spirit has brought them into the family. And so the Spirit of God is the only means for overcoming false teaching. We cannot overcome without God's Spirit illuminating the truth. It is God's Spirit that tells us. And now listen, who inspired the writing of this book? God's Spirit. Who is it that causes this book to be living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword? Is it the actual pen and paper? Do we have to make sure that we only use certain types of ink and certain paper to write on because the power lies in the pen and the paper? No. No. It is God's Spirit. It is God's Spirit who uses God's people to teach God's Word so that we would know right from wrong, truth from error, as he calls it here at the end of verse 6. And it is also true that it is the spirit of the evil one driving false teaching. And listen, this is why... Um, it is so important that we 
understand that it is not just my job in this church to know the scriptures. It is not just my job in this church to know the gospel. Because at a very real level, I am just like you. I am just, I, my heart wanders just like your hearts wander. How are you going to know false teaching? If I'm up here teaching falsely. God's Spirit in you, illuminating the scriptures that God's Spirit inspired. So we will know the Spirit of God by overcoming. He says that you have overcome them. And I can only imagine that the, the, the terror of people, well, it can, it can turn into terror because these things can turn ugly and mean uh, and physical very quickly, but also the emotion of losing people close to you. And, 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 and in it, listen, in it is some of it, here's, here's where we have to be careful. Is sometimes it's, it starts from an innocent place of really wanting to know the truth. Right? Like, I just want, like, am I right? I want to be pleasing to God. And, and, and what I'm doing, is it right? Even though the world says no, is it right? Even though storms are coming and tragedy and suffering because of it, is it Right? Because if it's right, we'll, we'll continue on. And so there had to have been a battle as people were leaving. And there had to be a continual battle in the hearts of these people and in the hearts of the leaders as they're watching people leave. Listen, nobody plants a church to watch people leave. <laughs> nobody plants a church so people can come and listen and then go away. But that's what's happening. So there's all this wondering and questioning of, do we continue? Is this right? You know, in today's, like, today's terms, like, I don't know if they had a building that they had to pay for, but like, what about the offering? There very well could have been men who had quit their secular jobs to lead the church. What about their families? Are they doing what's right? And John says that you know that you have the Spirit of God because you've overcome the false teachings. And then the third thing that he says here, that you will know the Spirit of God is by listening. Verse 6, John writes, he says that we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. You see, in knowing God, and knowing God's Spirit, there is uh, the S word that we don't want to talk about. But it's submission. And it's following. And it's doing what you've been asked to do. But in context here, more of what he's talking about is he says, you listen to us because we're teaching the truth. You listen to our teachings. You listen to the gospel. You take the gospel and you apply it and you follow it and you obey it. And so when certain things in life are declared sin because they're opposed to God's design and God's decrees, then you turn from that. When it is declared specifically as we're, we're, we're battling Gnosticism here, as they're battling Gnosticism here, specifically when you're told that the light is not in you because you are sinful and you are evil. And you are just like the people of Noah's days that where your hearts were constantly wicked. And that salvation is not found by looking in deep. But it's by trusting in Christ to forgive you of your sins. It's by believing that you really, truly are a sinner and you really, truly can't reconcile yourself to God. 
But God wants you reconciled to Him, and He sent His Son that you would be reconciled. You know that, that, that you are, have God's Spirit, and you know that it is God's Spirit because you listen to the truth. You don't, you don't argue the truth because you start coming up with what ifs. Well, what about these people? What about this? And what happens? And we don't lean on the arms of injustice. Rather, we cling to the hand of justice. Now, of course, we care about those who don't believe. And it is our, it is our, 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 our gift, really, from God to go and to declare His goodness into the ends of the earth. And by listening to them, that means that they're going to continue to declare the good news. But we don't allow what might be to keep us from what is. So many people live their lives by what if, rather than based on the what is. And John is saying that you will know the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that is in you. You will know because remember in verses 2 and 3, he talks all about the Spirit of God being in them. And this, this entire little section here is based on God's Spirit living in them and dwelling in them. And he's affirming in them the Spirit of God. He's affirming in them how to recognize the Spirit of God in them. Anytime you hear what is preached that is true and you go and you do it and you obey it, that is a testament to God's Spirit in you, illuminating the truth and giving you the power to obey it. And so we know the Spirit of God by confessing, by overcoming, and by listening. And listen, anything that opposes these Things are not truth. This is what John is saying. Verse, verse 2 again, he says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is God. In verse 3, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the Antichrist. These are the people who are against the Messiah, against Jesus, against the Christ. People who cling to anything other than the work of Christ. People who will proclaim to you the good news of finding your identity in how much money you make or what kind of retirement you're going to have or the house you're able to afford or the kids that you love so much or the spouse that you have. They'll proclaim the good news that these things save The world proclaims the good news that addiction saves you from the reality of pain. And you believe it because you've tasted it. And you know how addiction will temporarily numb the pain. You know that. It's truth. See how crafty Satan is? This is why we call it wolves in sheep's clothing. It's not an outright lie. There's a little bit of deliverance on the promise. But then you've got to keep going back for more and more. And then, and then once, 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 you're, once you come down from, from the high or the indulgence, the pain is worse. And so that false prophet or that evil spirit tells you indulge more. This time you got to do more. This time you got to go deeper. Because the pain gets number and number the deeper you go. For some of us, it's believing the, the, the lie that you need to hide your sins. You need to hide who you really are because if people only really knew 
they would run. That's not what Christ, that's not the, what the Spirit of God confesses or declares. The Spirit of God says that you have been forgiven. Therefore, you are free to confess who you are. You are free to be known. It also tells us that we are free to love those who shock us with who they think they really are or what they've really done. Because it's no worse than anything that we have done. We are all on a level playing field in our need for salvation from Christ. When people sin, it shouldn't shock us. When people don't sin, we should be shocked. That there is any good in the world at all, we should be shocked. Right? So we must, as a church, as a people, we must be careful to know the truth and to flee from error. Listen. Um, You have to be careful who you listen to. Now, I'm not talking about not being the friend of sinners, because we are to be the friend of sinners. I'm talking about you have to be careful who you go to and who you listen to about the truth. Because there are a lot of nice, nice people out there who are not from the Spirit of God. And their message distracts from the purpose of God. You have to be careful who you read, who you listen to, who you watch. You have to be. So this morning here, as we, as we wrap up, Do you know the teaching that opposes the gospel? And again, not just the easy, outright teachings that say Jesus is a, is a, is a good person, right? Or teachings that deny altogether Christ, atheism. But do you know the teachings that come disguised as sheep? Do you know the heart and the error of the prosperity gospel and the poverty gospel? Do you know why the true gospel stands better and different from them? And so for those of us this morning that are here and that we are, we are believers, then, then, then we need to, the call this morning of repentance is we need to repent from believing false spirits. The spirits that say we're not good enough. The spirits that say we can do it on our own. The spirits that say you can take a break, you deserve a break. You've been good for a long time. Just indulge a little bit. The spirits that say that you are better than the person you're struggling with. Because we're not. So we repent from believing those false spirits and we cling to the gospel. We cling to the work of Christ that forgives and washes and sanctifies. We cling to the message that says, you know what? We were the least of these. We are the murderers and the adulterers. But yet God in his grace forgave us through Christ. And if we're here this morning and you're not yet a believer, then then I would invite you to repent from counting the truth as error. From resisting the truth that Jesus saves. Receive God's forgiveness of your sins this morning. Embrace the new identity that he gives when he, 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 he causes you to be new and live your life for his kingdom and not your own. So if you'll stand with me, we'll pray.
God, I thank you this morning that you have not left us down here on earth wandering alone. But God, that you have given us your spirit, that the very spirit of God resides in those who believe. And God, that it is your spirit that overcomes our disbelief and enables us to believe. And God, it is your spirit who gives us the power to resist and to say no to temptation as we live this life, awaiting the return of Jesus. I pray, God, this morning that you would uh, help us, Lord, to see the false prophets that we have listened to, God, and that we would have the strength to stop listening, to stop reading, to stop following. I pray even, God, that for those in here who do believe, Lord, that that your spirit, God, would show us um, the areas, God, where we're not realizing that we're, we're believing a false gospel. God, and that we would believe the true gospel. I pray, God, for your people that you would give us the strength to confess to one another and to be known. And for those, God, that might be here this morning, God, that don't believe, I pray, Lord, God, that they would come to believe. That they would no longer count the truth that Jesus came in the flesh to forgive the sins of men as error or as false, but God, that they would believe it as truth. Pray, God, that you would seal them for eternity, God, and that you would empower them to live anxiously awaiting for Jesus.